This is an SBS radio podcast. Settlement Guide. Information, issues and stories about living in Australia. The benefits of bilingual education are well documented, but experience shows that adapting it to your child's needs is the only way to make it work for fostering cultural identity. Census data reveals that over a fifth of Australian households speak a language other than English. And while any parent raising bilingual children knows that language education can be a big task, research suggests it's well worth the trouble. John Hayek, a linguist professor at Melbourne University, explains why. We know that over the longer term, bilingual children do better at NAPLAN, but actually there's more to it. It's about broader personal development, uh, children understanding difference, understanding people around them, understanding themselves. The research shows that small children, four or five-year-olds, who have another language or are learning another language, that they try harder to be empathetic towards people they're interacting with, they try harder to understand what people around them want. So, you know, it's really much broader benefits to an individual child, and that, of course, has great benefits to society in general. For many communities, Professor Hayek says language learning helps families pass on cultural knowledge to the younger ones. Language and culture are really closely tied together for lots of communities, and there are many success stories of uh, second and third generation who've been able to learn you know, the family language, the heritage language, as well as the culture very successfully. But it's really up to um, communities and individuals to work out what's important to them. Stanley Wang is the principal of Abbotsford Primary School. It's one of Victoria's 12 government schools with designated bilingual programs hosting the state's oldest Chinese bilingual program set up in 1984. He says student demographics have changed significantly since then. The program became a high demand for young, aspirational but non-Chinese families really wanting their children to be exposed to the language. That story is different to even nowadays to the bilingual programs like the Greek, Macedonian and to some extent the Italian and actually Vietnamese will fall under that heritage group that most families who will want their kids to go to a bilingual program are of that heritage. Vassos Angalas, a second-generation Greek-Australian, was one of the first children in Australia exposed to bilingual education in formal schooling through a pilot program in the 80s. I remember at the time that I was probably the weakest student in the class in terms of my Greek language, but both my parents decided that participating in this program was vital and was probably better for all learners. In hindsight, I think I'm a much more enriched person, a much more cultured person, and a much more relatable person when I I compare myself to my brother, who doesn't speak Greek, isn't connected that much to the Greek culture. Mr Wang also points out that children lack a point of comparison when signed up for bilingual education. But, he says, growing up in an environment where exposure to multiple languages is normalised helps build self-worth and identity. I think that's the most powerful thing. They go home and feel that me being of Chinese heritage, I can feel very comfortable speaking in Chinese and know what the cultural rules are when I face my Chinese side of family versus when I face the non-Chinese side of family. And so just the fact that I think they have equal status in this environment and they're constantly encouraged to 
navigate between the two worlds. For me, it's the main method by which we want them to stay connected to their culture. When it comes to cultural immersion, Professor Hayek, who is part Slovenian, explains that the importance of language can vary amongst different families and communities. For me, as a linguist and also belonging to a couple of ethnic communities myself, language is a really important part of who I am and something that I want to be able to share with my children and that my children's grandparents also want to do. So, for instance, in the Dutch community, there is no huge allegiance to the language. So you can still be Dutch without the language. You know, there are other things that you can do that support your Dutch identity. For other communities, such as the Greek community, of course, it's very different. Language and religion are all closely tied into Greek identity, Greek culture. Ms. Zangalis acknowledges her community's strong link between language and culture. I think once you lose the language, everything else falls apart around it. So I think language is crucial. As a parent of two school-aged children, Ms. Sangala says she's fortunate to have an established network to support their language learning. And she advises newcomers to the country to take the same practical steps. If you are an organised, newly arrived migrant group with one language-specific context, it is possible to ask for bilingual programs to be established in schools. There's a bit of a process there. You do have to have a large number of students. You do need to get the parents on board. You know, have that conversation with the school community. Kind of education and training can offer to support the schools. It won't be an easy battle and it won't be a quick process. You're talking a couple of years to get these programs established. So so it is possible to get a monolingual school changed to a bilingual school. Recounting her children's experience with library-run story time, she says out-of-school programs can also be established from scratch. Just got a group of parents together, knocked on the door of Richmond Library and said, can you, we've got 20 parents who will support the program and turn up. And after a bit of advocacy consultation, which day, which time, got it up and running. But, you know, don't underestimate the power of organising your own communities to do this. For families raising bilingual speakers, Professor Hayek's advice is to keep expectations realistic. You have to be a perfect speaker of a language to be a speaker of it. And the answer is, of course, no. We have to understand that children growing up in Australia, definitely their strongest language is English, and it's always going to be English that's completely normal. They spend most of their education learning English. The world around them is English-speaking. And even if you haven't had the opportunity to maintain your language, and pass it on to your children. There are others around you who are able to assist. So grandparents play a huge role in being able to support you know, the maintenance of language and culture. And adapting language education to the child's lived reality is key to avoid language and culture being felt as a burden, according to Mr Wang. Every kid born's really neutral about, I think, culture and connections. And often what we end up happening is that they're not neutral. They end up feeling negative about it. And that's the last thing we want. And so I think that bridge between the school and the family is that we can foster a very positive attitude. There is an important thing parents and educators need to recognise. If your child is growing up in Australia, the language they're going to be learning needs to fit the purpose of the Australian reality. I think the proficiency they will develop is one where they can comfortably express themselves and the Australian reality they live in. This was an SBS radio podcast. For more Settlement Guide stories, visit sbs.com.au slash radio.